This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's a secret from afar. What a friend we have in Jesus. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by the wonderful Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, Wayne. Those intros you give me are just, are just getting more and more, just kind of like a loving session. <laughs> I've made no apologies for that. Do you have a nice <laughs> Christmas? As, as I was, yeah, as I always keep saying, as as good as as good as it can be, and I'm sure I've repli- it would have replicated everyone else's because there wasn't much else anyone else could do different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll just come up with new ways for the introductions, <coughs> Paul. I've got no no shame in that um, um, because obviously, you know, you were um, and are one of my heroes. Um, certainly, watching me play football. I hope everyone did have a very happy Christmas and a happy new year as well I suppose the the football on the pitch made that easier if you're a Manchester United fan but it is a little bit of an odd show today as it's more of a vague summary of what went on with the, the three league games behind us and also the Everton game and the games that are coming up as well um, we have to start with the sad news about the passing of Tommy Doherty um, 2020, very it was a particularly bad year for many former United players passing. But you kind of hope that it won't be the same in 2021. But the truth is that now it's part of time and life that you know that more people will pass, more people are ill, um, and I guess with the you know the advent of television and people being able to see other people more, you know the sort of 60s they were on television a lot, the 70s were on television even more and 80s and it gets to that and you start to 
really um, have a greater appreciation because these players were more familiar to than the older ones, and it, you know it's been really tough for that this year. Uh, well, last year, in fact, um, you know the news about Tommy particularly hit me pretty bad. Um, Paul, you've talked to me about watching the Dogs teams when when you were younger, so they would have been the first United team that you knew as being properly United, which says a lot about what he brought back to the club, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does, and I just remember more <clears throat> more about when he was in the Championship and the winning of games, the mass following, yeah. and with mass following that leads to a little bit of carnage. <laughs> And it was just the news just about that. United just were just, everyone was just following them. It, it took a lot, if I'm right in writing saying it, it took a lot of focus away from the first division yeah. because of it, because people were just seeing something extraordinary. And the thing about it is that it's no different, I'd imagine now, the following of Manchester United to what it was then. But this time, but this time around, is that other clubs have got their own little bits, but. You know, it's not seen in such a big light because it's it's expected of United to have that following. They're obviously a lot better behaved than what they were in a given time, but I think a lot of that comes down to the fact of people just didn't know how to deal with Manchester United. You know, United going to Leighton Orient, going to York City. It was just, you know, in theory, it's just madness. And going there... You know, to play a league game, not cup game. So they're going there to play a league game. These clubs just didn't know because one, they're saying to themselves, "Hold a minute, this could make fifty percent of our season here. This one game, but you have to deal with the rest of it. Or went with it because of they couldn't organise what happened, what was happening at Gates. So it was just a crying shame in that part. But for me, it was. I mean, it was what I saw, the bits I saw of football at that given time, and and what you read about football was all about Manchester United. Yeah, and that was um, Tommy, after a few years in the role, you know, obviously took United down and then, obviously, he was partly responsible for that. You can't say that he wasn't because he was manager for 18 months before they went down, um, but he narrated a bad lot and he had to sort of turn it around and he did in um, one of the most fondest remembered United sides. I mean, this is just a story to show how sombre that last week of the year was. Now, um, that's something I've really talked about publicly, but I was given the great honour of um, from the family of John Fitzpatrick, who passed a week before um, Tommy, um, Busby Babe, of course, and who played, you know, in, in two title-winning seasons and missed out on medals because of because of injury. Um, anyway, they asked if um, they could read something that I wrote um, at his funeral, and you know, of course, I said yes because you know I was moved beyond words for that. Um, they very kindly gave me a link to watch the service. And as we were waiting for the link to come on, I received a message from someone, a friend in football, who told me that Tommy wasn't very well, you know, that he was he was close to actually passing. And then obviously did pass away. Um, you know, I don't know if any of his family are going to listen to this, if they are. Um, even if not, you're obviously going to hear a lot of divisive things about Tommy. You have to keep an open mind on them, when you, especially when it comes to him. Um, I worked with him on a number of books. I'm very lucky to have done that. Um, interviews as well for a lot of things. Once or twice met him just for a catch-up if we'd done a little bit of work together. Um, obviously did the film with him, Too Good To Go Down, and he came to the book signing for that as well to help me out. Um, didn't have to do that, and he was in his 90s then. Um, I can only say my experience with him as a person was great. He was so helpful um, for me. And um, I always found him great company, uh, nothing but generous. And I, I'm going to miss him deeply. Um, 
Tommy Docker, rest in peace. Um, never, you'll never be forgotten. A massive character um, in the history of football at Manchester United. Okay, um, Paul, on to those Christmas games then. Let's start with the league games. Um, this is a thing. I didn't want to do this to you after last time because we were talking about the idea of a league title challenge. Um, but there were three crucial games over Christmas. You sort of stopped short, um, stopped short again of saying, oh, I don't know about the title challenge, but it'd be a great Christmas if we went unbeaten in the games. I thought, yeah, that's a great point, actually, because Villa and uh, Wolves, we didn't win those home games last season. And we really had to show different sides of us if we were going to have to win those games. So we drew at Leicester, first of all, and then we won those games in different in different ways. But before we talk about the games themselves, let's talk about what I think the biggest thing has been from those games, which is the re-emergence of Eric Bai. Um, he is a player, Paul, who we've talked about as definitely having the potential to fill that position. His, his form has been great. And dare I say it, the, all of the defence looks... I'm not going to say that the defence has been perfect, but definitely you can see an elevation in quality there. Um, how impressed have you been with Eric's um, return to the side? Oh, there's no doubting that <clears throat> he's got all the attributes, as the saying goes, and the agility. Sometimes he sees danger, but sometimes you might look at his positioning because sometimes when he comes in to do his job, but you still, I'm sure everybody are on their edge when he goes in for challenges sometimes. And you just think to yourself, just, you know, just take your time, be patient, wait and see the outcome instead of diving in. And he's done so many things, you think, oh, my God, but there's been more good than bad because he's just done what he's had to do, and that's been defend, to be perfectly honest. And if you've got that, if you've got that great strength, use it. Without a doubt, it's like saying to a player, "Oh, you know, oh, he, he ain't good enough because he can't use both feet." If you've got a great strength of a right foot, you play to that strength, and what you do is you keep improving that. Yes, you might now and again have to practice or do use that one, but you put you put everything you've got into making sure that that right one is can we you can improve it all the time as best as possible. And when, when you look at him, you know that he is an out and out defender. That's what he is. You wouldn't be asking. You wouldn't say to him, "I want you to be patient," because I don't think he could guarantee that. But you know, he can be a bit impetuous. You know, the block at the end. Initially, that block at the end come from Harry Maguire having a kerfuffle, and he's just come in and he's put an incredible block in, which was goal bound. You know, I don't know if it would have gone in, but it was goal bound. The way saying that the way De Gea was playing, he would have saved it. Yeah to be perfectly honest so by you have to say at this moment adds more mobility adds pace and I think for a lot of supporters he adds a little bit more um, what's the word I'm looking for people are more assured with him there than what they are with, Vic, um, with um, Victor Lindelof to be perfectly honest he always looks like he's playing on the edge and playing with fear so he, so at the moment in time he deserves to be playing regularly now if Ollie doesn't do that and playing regularly after the way he's played, confidence-wise, he could lose him. Because I think the way he is, you see him sometimes go... Every, he always has to go down in a game. And you think to yourself, there's nothing wrong with you. You've taken your... You're meant to be a big, tough centre-half. You know, you go around, you know, you show yourself as being physical, but you just take a little slap or something round, round your back and you're holding your head. And I think that's maybe just assurances and maybe a little bit of insecurity. I don't know. But I think he feels he has to go down to have attention all the time. 
and I think Ollie might be fully aware of it, and that might be one of the reasons why he maybe feel that he can't trust him 100% because of that reason, you know, and during my time and even after my time, centre-halves never went down. If, they, if a centre-half went down, you knew that he was going to have to come off, hopefully only for a few minutes to maybe get a cut above his eye done, or if he comes off, that means if he went down, that means he was seriously injured. You never saw Brucey ever go down. Even Pally never went down. Yap Stam, Ronnie Johnson, Rio Ferdinand, Vidage, they never went down unless there was something that was going to affect them at that moment in time. They felt was going to affect them, and they, and they just needed assurances that it was right. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. And with Bai as well, I mean, it's important to. I don't want to be negative, but again, you don't want to be carried away because look, he's played five league games this season. Last season, he played four. The year before that, twelve. Christ Almighty! Before that, thirteen. Footballers, footballers changed so much during my time, Wayne. That would have been you're an injury prone. We're going to let you go. Yeah, exactly. So, and you're right. I mean, when you're watching, it's not. Certainly, I feel, feel more confident. The last two games, I've, I've felt much more confident watching Eric Bai than I have at any point watching Lindelof this season. But you do worry he's as likely to hurt himself as he is someone else. And it's, it still does have those brain thoughts in him. I don't know if you recall that moment in the in Leicester game where he put his hand out to stop a pass back from, from Fred. And he did that last season as well, where he came on and he gave a penalty away in, in like a minute with that ball. Um, mm. All in all, though, you know, he is a potentially tr- terrific player who's doing a, a great job at the moment. Um, so. Yeah, you know, he might only get another handful out of him, but um, hopefully not touch wood that this is his turning point because it does make a big difference um, to United's defence. Um, you mentioned the block at the end in the Villa game. Um, very good in the Wolves game as well. Let's talk about those, both of those games. The Wolves game, first of all, which was horrible, as you would expect. It claustrophobic. It felt like that watching it. Um, the type of game that we've had against Wolves every single time since they've been promoted before anyone thinks I'm having to go at Wolves I'm really not they know how to get results against United they don't have to apologise about it it's United's responsibility to win the game um, it was going to take something lucky or brilliant to break them down ultimately it was a, a piece of luck but also reward for persistence and just trying to to win the game and take that risk pull um, you know it's not a game that's memorable saying this is a turning point for how this United side deal with these kind of games is it really? I don't think it is, I don't want to sound like I'm being negative because it was a huge slice of luck at the end and I still feel like maybe it was in terms of to keep trying to keep having a go because at least we got there in the end but I don't think it's like a massive watershed moment it's not like two goals against Sheffield Wednesday by Steve Bruce it's just a moment in a season where we've scored late against Wolves um, in a game that was pretty horrible but again no apologies I, I make no I said no apologies are necessary from Wolves really because um, that's the way that they've played against us since that so um, well, what were your takeaways from, from the Wolves game I think you know at the end of the day Wolves done really well considering they're missing key players with injury yeah. you know this, you know, centre half um, then Donker in midfield obviously Jimenez if they'd had a, an out you know a decent you know, mature centre forwards. I think it could have been a different story. Yeah. They had everything except to bite through the middle, and they tried their best. They didn't have it. I thought their midfield done really, really well. I think that would go down as maybe Fernandez' worst game for Manchester United. 
because he couldn't get into it. And it wasn't because Wolves went man, man to man. It's because Wolves stopped his forward passes and he struggled. He seriously struggled in that game. It could have been a little bit because he was playing a lot of compatriots, weren't he, he was playing against. So he might have struggled there to play against them in that sense because he mostly might have known a lot of them from Portugal. So that might have been sometimes people play against their best friends. They have the worst game of their life. They just can't mentally deal with playing against their best friend. And I think he struggled in that game. Really struggling. You could just see it with him. He was getting a bit frustrated with himself. Um, Again, I have to say that I think once United can sort out what is their best front three, then that's when you can seriously say they're going to win the league. But I think if we talk about seriously about them sorting out their front three, they need to go and buy another player to go and to because because it isn't good enough to be perfect and as good as it was they were huffing and puffing um, Marcus Rashford had another poor game very inconsistent running into blind alleys decision making poor um, wasn't wasn't just wasn't Mason Greenwood is seriously struggling I don't know if he needs time away or to play regularly but he doesn't he doesn't implant himself in a game he is way below, at his age, the levels of Ryan Giggs. Way, 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 way below those levels. And not, not in the game enough. It, Ryan was one of those players that Ryan would go and get the ball and Ryan would frustrate the boss because he'd be taking people on all the time. Same as Ronaldo, taking people on, taking people on, doing this. Do- well, you couldn't get him out of the game. In the end, you wanted to get him out of the game because there were constantly things were breaking down. With Mason Greenwood... He's not in the, in the game enough for it to keep breaking down, and when it does, and um, Marcus Rashford, I don't know how I don't know how he's playing. To be perfectly honest, I really don't know. Martial, well, that's that's a that's an that's another story. But I think to be really taken seriously, they need something in that front three, something in there where you go, yeah. This is this is gonna that one player at this moment in time can make the difference this season. Next season, you need another one. But this season, when the league is there to be grabbed by any of the top six, to be grabbed, when you say I, I, when I, I don't want to use the word one because that's all, but I just think it's got to be grabbed. It's got to be stolen this yeah. season. It can be stolen this season, even if you do win it this season. You know, anyone outside us, United are prepared and the club is instilled to go and win titles. Other clubs, maybe not, to go and do it, but it's there for them to go and actually go and grab this moment in time. And it's there for United to go and do, but I still think they need something in January to mentally affect other players to make them feel, yeah, we're going for it and I can see this player's going to make a difference at the moment. When you look at it as a front three, I think Cavani has to play as much as possible. And you have to work, because he's, he's, he's the brains, his movement creates space for other people. Yeah. But I, I think the other two spots are so open. You, so soon. I, I think you're right, sorry to interrupt Paul, but I do think that you're right, but do you think Cavani is the, I mean, let's say that once he's back from the suspension, he's in there as the, the uh, first choice. 
as a, you know, perhaps the form just before the ban kicked in dictated that he should be because he, you know, obviously had that a great contribution against Everton and then against Leicester as well, setting up the goal. And it was sort of like the instant kind of thing of like what you wouldn't expect Martial to do. That's what he was doing. Would you would you say Martial uh, Cavani would be enough to sort of convince you that we could challenge for the title, or are you thinking someone else being brought in? No, I think Cavani and Cavani through the middle, and that one player to play to the left or to the right. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. That's that's what I'm looking at. United can challenge for a title, Wayne. There's no ba- no doubt the position they're in, they can, and they what they've done over Christmas, they can. The fact of the current climate, the circumstances of life today at this moment in time means that Manchester United can. If this wasn't going on, Manchester United wouldn't be anywhere near it. Hmm. Wouldn't be anywhere near it. We all knew that because of what they've, for everything about the way they are. I think they still need something in midfield. I think that showed up against Wolves. They needed another player who could actually make something happen. And I'm going to say the name name again, Van der Beek. Need another player who a little bit who could run around and move people about by sheer movement, scurrying around, little one twos would have could have done that, could have made a difference. Exactly the same, and I'm jumping a little bit to the to the Aston Villa game, but exactly the same in the Aston Villa game. It needed somebody with a little bit more energy in that midfield because Aston Villa were all energy in that midfield. Yeah. Now, for me, you, I look at Van der Beek and I say. I look at Aston Villa, they had their own Scottish van der Beek. They had McGinn. Well, let, let me talk about this then, Paul, um, because you, you're right, you're dead right. McGinn and, and Grealish, I thought, were very good at Old Trafford. McGinn particularly. Um, another tight game, the good and bad of Wan-Bissaka in that, because he played a part in our first goal and obviously Villa's goal. Um, you've got his cross for Martial. It was the one moment where he sort of committed to it and said, I'm just going to make this decision instead of stopping and overthinking it. And if ever a moment showed that this is the kind of thing that we needed in this United team, because even Martial then didn't have time to stop it and think, what am I going to do with it? It was like, oh, wow, you're actually playing with conviction. Wan-Bissaka makes amends for the error with that great chat. Uh, Clearance um, at the back post. You've also got the... um, the penalty and the controversial incident there with Paul Pogba. Um, well, how, how do you think that that one was decided then? Because, I mean, you, you, you were dead right about McGinn and Grealish. They were the team that played proactive. They looked like they were the team dictating the pace, really. Um, sorry, the midfielders dictating the pace of that. And you had McTominay and Freddie were in there. They didn't think it was their best game. Um, but much credit to McGinn and Grealish. You do look at home whenever they play at Old Trafford. Um, if you do think, don't you? Like, if I don't want to be horrible because I think that Tom and Fred have come on. Obviously, they've they've played some good football lately, and they've established themselves as the um, go-to pair in our midfield. But you just think if it's the other way around, do you know what I mean? If we had McGinn and Grealish instead of McTominay and Fred, how different we might look. Um, I know people might say oh, Grealish plays from the left. I just look at it and think in terms of busyness and the way that they were dictating the pace of the game. So, how, how did you see that one, Paul? Because it was tight. I think that United deserved to win it. Um, perhaps it played into United's hands a little bit that Villa were more adventurous, you know, like Leeds were. So, it sort of mm. meant that United were always going to get that chance, which they did. Yeah, I, I just think that I think the manager maybe his ego got a little bit too much and he felt he could just go and win it all in one and he opened up too much. 
to allow Manchester United to go that way. But I, I do feel everyone, you know, about Fred and McTominay, there's just games. You, you might work in certain games to go out and suffocate. But the problem is, if you suffocate, but the other team are opened up, then you're looking for your footballers to come out and the players with the energy to burst into space, the ones who, who, who can make the right decisions with the ball and play that way. And Fred needs to be high tempo. Um, Scott McTominay, Briggs can run around, break it up, but slows the game down. United have never been a side that slows the game down. The best sides, the sides that are winning games at this moment in time, play at high tempo. And your sides that are doing well, if you look around, you, you know, they play, they're playing at high tempo. And United don't. If you've got two set-and-a-halves who keep running with the ball and playing slow from the back, you need midfield players to go and drag it from them and get the play going again. Robbo used to do that all the time. Roy Keane used to go and do it, get it off of them and say, I'm going to do this better than you. And, you know, you just do what you're good at by defending. Yeah. But you, but I'm going to go and going to get this game going. And McGinn done that. McGinn for me is everything that Manchester United needs in midfield. If you're going to have that, if you're going to have somebody like that, like Van der Beek is sitting there. But you need that energy in certain in a lot of games if United are going to go through to add to the fact of of when you got Fernandez. When you got Fernandez, you need someone else to take the stress off him. Someone else who's other teams have to look at. You know because when Manchester United were at their peak during my time everyone talked about Eric but they had to worry about Giggsy mm. you know they had to worry about Lee Sharp they had to worry about the pace and strength of Andre you know they had to worry they had to worry about Roy Keane and about his all round game they even had to worry about Sparky where before it was all worrying about stopping Mark Hughes yeah. all of a sudden Eric comes around and all of a sudden Mark Hughes wasn't just your typical out and out centre forward now Mark Hughes had, had, had added different bits because he's got someone else who could give him balls that he was giving to other people because Sparky was an incredible passer of the ball inside and outside of his foot so there was more variation at United it is so so you're sitting there and watching Manchester United and you're going if he gets injured Fernandes you go they're in serious trouble they are in serious trouble. So, Ollie, for me, he's been one-dimensional when he's thinking about the team. He's he has become too reliant on one player, and everybody keeps talking. You know, every every fan knows. Every fan at this moment in time in football knows when players need rests, which is a load of rubbish. Because you know, a few years back, if a player said he needed a rest, the fans would be slagging him off and start telling him what they have to do for a living. Now, every time a player has a bad game. Oh God, he had an off day today. They don't come out and say, but it's human. They go always. They go, oh no, he must be tired. Yeah. You know when you. But Fernandez has got every reason for that to be said. But mm. United fans won't say it as such because they're scared to say it because they know if he's not playing, who's going to make and score goals? This is the thing for me, Paul. Um, is that the only explanation for Van der Beek not being in the team is that. Well, he was bought as a backup for Fernandez to give him a rest, but mm-hmm. it's not happening, um, and I just don't understand that. What, what did you make of the? the I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that we deserve to win against Villa, 
um, as tight as it was. Um, what did you make of the penalty? Because that's the thing that decided it. It's been replayed a few times. The people saying that Pogba tripped himself up. There was a little bit of contact in there. We can see both sides, really. It seems yeah. to me like I've looked at it so many times. I think, is it really worth all this controversy? I don't. Really well, it, well, it, well. At the moment in time, people haven't got a lot to talk about the football matches because, in general, the football matches in the Premier League at the moment are poor. Yeah. I've been to them live, I sit, I, I go to grounds and I'm sitting there and because how cold it's been in the last two and a half weeks, I really don't want to be sitting now because <laughs> I'm totally, I'm more conscious of the fact of being cold and about the game. Sometimes I feel like the, the commentators, you know, having to throw something at me for me to kind of get me my mind on the game because it's that cold and the games are so uninteresting. But um, I think we're um, having to just to, to look at it and so I lost my train of thought there because I went so deep about myself and being cold. was <laughs> penalty. I would just, um, I would say no, it's not a penalty. Um, but before anybody calls me an old timer and, you know, say I should be shaking the dust off me and all this kind of stuff, but in a modern game, it might be a penalty because, as you use those words, which I hate, which I avoid using as best I can, there was contact. As far as I'm concerned, you went down in a penalty because someone brought you down. Not because someone touched you, because someone brought you down. Pogba was not brought down. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Now, someone's touched him and he's thrown himself to the floor, which I find maybe the most ins- embarrassing sights I ever, I've ever seen in my life. And I mean that about everything. Not about football, I mean anything. I'm, I'm seeing men throw themselves to the floor, look at the referee, the referee turns round or doesn't even look at them, and, they're car- and the play's going on, and then they look around and they get up from screaming to getting up and then running back. For those delayed seconds of them like sitting on the floor, they could cost their team a goal like Scott, Man- Scott McTominay did against Liverpool when he's tried to say he was caught for a foul by, um, what's his called again, Origami? No. Origi, <laughs> yeah. Origi. <laughs> I've just made that one up. I was, I was thinking. I was thinking about. Um, was it? Was it used to be called um, with Morph Heart, Heart. <laughs> yeah, it was. It used to do origami. Um, and Scott McTominay done that against Liverpool, looking for a foul because he got caught out. Caught, caught out. And instead of going straight back and trying to recover the ball, all he's done is get involved, gone for a foul, looked at the referee, gone no, and bang. Do you know it? United have conceded. And these, these are the same people in a few years' time. They're going to go and watch their, their son or daughter play and they're going to come out and be massive hypocrites because they're going to come out and say, play to the whistle. It is a thing for me. Like, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it is embarrassing. And I think that someone else showed the clip of Pogba pointing to Shaw and saying that he should have gone down in the situation. But do you think... I'm just playing devil's advocate because I completely agree with you. It is embarrassing to, from the human aspect of, did that touch really make it collapse like a ton of bricks? No, it obviously didn't. But from the perspective of he needed to do that to convince the referee, because in the first half, that I can't understand all the controversy of this second incident when in the first half Pogba gets elbowed in the mouth. There's blood everywhere. The referee sees it because he's going to stop the game. What makes him think he's not going to go back and check it? If he's bleeding, where does he think the blood's come from? Yeah, I, don't, I couldn't understand that one. Why? Why? I'm not saying like it was a definite 
penalty because those kind of challenge. You know, you get those. I'm. Let's go back to like the the time. Not even when you were playing, but ten years ago, fifteen years ago. The um, oh god, that's making me feel old. But let's say two thousand five, and Vidic has just come and he's playing. Those kind of things happen. Physical altercations in the modern climate. There's contact. There's blood all over. Check for a penalty. I just don't understand. Like, is that an excuse, Paul? I mean, for, for Paul Pogba to then go, well, no. I've been elbowed in the mouth in the first half. The referee hasn't looked at it. So now in the second half, if I if the wind blows me, I'm going to need to throw myself yeah. about. I think I think we're in a world, Wayne, where um, referees now are like virtually like doctors. If you go to one doctor and he says he doesn't say what you want, you go to another. You go you go to another doctor, and he knows you've already gone and seen somebody already in the same business. They're not going to come out generally and say something different because they don't want because they think all oh, this could affect me long term. So when you've got a referee. And he's waiting. Obviously, his job's been made easy. He's got people in his ear telling him what's going on. And all of a sudden, he sees all that blood, and they're saying to him, oh, it's all right, nothing wrong with that. But you think, you'd say to yourself, well, hold a minute, that's a big thing. He's got his finger in the face saying, look what you've done, look what you've done. I'm just going to go and have a quick look. I think sometimes, and it could batten on bowling, it could go either way. I think if he goes to that TV and he sees something which he doesn't like himself, which he thinks is out of order, which he thinks is a pen, or he thinks deserves a yellow card because there was something intentional or even a red card, he's scared of going against somebody in that bit because he's worrying about if, when the boot's on the other foot. So at the moment in time, those, all those referees are, are, fighting against each, are fighting against each other, but they're trying to stay best friends. And it doesn't work because the only way things improve if you go up and you you improve by working with better people than what you are, by going out and learning from mistakes. And the moment you see something happen, you're going to go, oh, I'm not hearing anything in my ear because obviously they don't think it's clear and obvious, but only suits clear and obvious when, when it suits them to call something up. So I'm going to go and look at it myself because there's a big TV set. I'm going to go and have a look at that. But they're not. They a lot of them are scared to do it. What you, the old-fashioned referees didn't give a monkeys about anybody else. They just turned around and wanted to do their job. And the one thing they wanted to do was get everything right. And a lot of those referees in those days would come up to you sometimes, and they would apologise because they would say they made a mistake. Your first reaction, well, this and that. But I'll tell you what, as you you move on, as you get older in life, you get a little bit more humble, and you turn around and say now. I respect them for doing it because they held their hands up to a mistake they made, which mostly cost you a rollicking or cost you a game of football. Mm. And I think these referees now are virtually all batting and bowling, to be perfectly honest. They're scared of putting, getting, one, getting someone else in trouble because they, because they haven't done this and haven't done that. And it's, I look at assistant referees. Someone has to tell me what are they there for because... VAR or somebody sitting in an office can run the offside line. Somebody certainly can tell you which way a throw gone because the referee, the assistant referee, only gives a foul. Sorry, gives a throw in when the referee he's got his finger down below, points in the direction he wants the throw to go. Mm-hmm. So what is the point of them? What is the point of the little, of the fourth official? No. There's too many people now around the football pitch, but now you've got people in a broom cupboard. You don't need them anymore. Yeah, it's, it's. 
think you're right in that um, the back slapping kind of thing. Like, yeah, you, you you've got to strive for consistency. So they're looking at the the way that the referees are being viewed rather than the incident for what it is. Yeah, that's why it needs someone outside of that organisation to go in, at every game to go in there and virtually sit there and go. I want to see that again. I'm not happy with that. I want to see that again. They don't care if they upset referees because they don't live in their little holy little world of I'm self-important because no one's ever listened to me. I become a referee because I can bully people. Mm -hmm. You know, they need someone to go in there and say, bang, someone outside of it. A completely, you know, we've got the, we've got, um, the, the TV ones who come in and go, bang. You, you, everywhere's got it except there. The referees are fighting against independent people coming in because they don't want anyone else to spoil their little, and I'm going to use the word, use the words, their little racket. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, mm. You've said it a lot more strong than... Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be more diplomatic than that, but you're, you're right. Um, yeah. we, we talked about the title race earlier on um, and strengthening. You, you talked about centre-forward. Um, we've obviously talked about Eric Bayer as well. So, with all that in mind, Paul, is it is it the time to be brutal with us, or is it time to be patient? Again, I don't want to be negative, but going by the last few years, like I said, we're likely to get... This is the reality of, let's say, things go true to form, as we've seen for the last four years. Eric is going to play well in January, and the first game in February is going to break down, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. If, if history tells us anything, that's what's likely to happen. So... You run the risk of not signing a centre off because you're so convinced by what Eric Byers is doing. Do we have to be ruthless about this? Do we have to say, look, Eric, you are playing good, but what this is actually showing us is that we actually need a dependable centre off and that you're not the best centre off in the world, but you're you're so much better than the rest of what we've got. And there's obviously there's better than buy out there, so you just get one in, just get one in who's got a better record at keeping fit. And that's going to make all the difference. Do you know what I mean with that? And then, obviously, you mentioned the centre forward as well. And do we look at Martial and say, "Look, Anthony, you know you've you've done really well. You've you, you've scored more goals than ever before last season. But there's too many times this season where you're overthinking it. You need competition. Sorry, a player like Martial was on the periphery game against Leicester, and then Cavani comes on." makes a massive difference so even within the club now you've got a player who can come in like you said earlier and make that make that difference but again again we're talking about a player who's come in and like by maybe he's just shown that there's a significant upgrade there <coughs> even if, like Cavani you're not going to base the next five years on Edinson Cavani as I don't think we should do on Eric Bay. so what are we seeing here Paul are we seeing like a momentary upgrade where you're saying look these players are coming in they're having a really good impact but what that's actually telling us is that it's not going to take that massive gamble to to find the upgrade from outside of the club. Do you see what I'm saying with this? Like, so he's he's kind of saying, all right. So we've seen that Cavani's a big step up. We're not having to buy Haaland. We're not having to buy Messi. It, the player is attainable. There's got to be players there on the market who can make that step up. You know, it's not a case of having to go out and buy the best. Like we saw with Fernandez. You know, I don't want to be horrible. Um, obviously, Fernandez is. He's fit as better than anyone else, but we were having this conversation, and you were more positive about Fernandez than what I was. But I'm sure you probably remember me saying, "Oh, it seems like a lot of money to be spending on a player who um, 
no one else has took the gamble on. Do you know what I mean? I was I was concerned about that, but he's coming and done like a massive, um, a great job. More like so much so that he's been likened to Eric Cantona. What I'm I'm trying to say, Paul, is that there's going to be one or two players in in the Premier League or in European football that can come in that don't have to be a Messi or Ronaldo, who can make the same kind of impact as Fernandez <coughs> in other areas, considering what we've seen from Bai and Cavani. Yeah, I think I think they're out there. They have to be out there because you. Straight away, you mentioned about the way about Cavani, and he hadn't been to big clubs. I think you'd say Udinese. He'd been to and and was it Sampdoria? He was at Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. Well, yeah, and he and, and he struggled. And certain players have got a fit with a club. Eric is the prime example. Mm. <clears throat> prime example of fit and with the right manager. And maybe the right manager is allowing Fernandez the freedom on the park and maybe the freedom to speak his mind on the pitch. And, and he's earned that right because of the way he's played. Now, what he is really, he, um, Fernandez is Manchester United's captain without an armband. That's what he is. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a simp- it's as simple as that. So, but when I look at Martial, I think we're talking five years now at Manchester United. <clears throat> and, yeah. And, yeah, and we have to look really, what has he actually contributed? What have United got out of when they bought him, what have they got? <clears throat> and, you know, he's he's not a regular. The fans would, you still, <clears throat> excuse me, the fans, you say, name your best 11, and he would always be a doubt. It would be a struggle mm. for a lot of people. I don't know how far it would go. Would it be 50-50? Would it be marginally more? I don't know. But it's still a major, major doubt about him, everything about him for that money, because he hasn't, he hasn't stepped on. Definitely has not stepped on as a footballer in five years. You look at um, Bailly, and I would, you know, we buy your turnaround, and you know, and again, I say, Ollie has to be ruthless, and he maybe has to look ruthless as well, so people can see it that he is bit that he that he is ruthless, despite the way he's looking, and maybe drag people off as Sir Alex has done him many, many times. You know, I've seen him, you know, drag a player back to the bench. Because because the player's gone to go on, and he's gone to go on with earrings in his ear, <laughs> and he's and he's you know and he and he's pulled him back to the bench, yeah, because because of it because the player wasn't prepared and sometimes you have to do it. You could sit there, be the nicest person, the, you know the the person who's sitting there, a multi-millionaire, living in a nice house, driving around a nice car, and everyone wants to slag him off and and got reasons why he's got it. He's nine times out of ten, he's got what he's got because he's been ruthless. He's been nasty. Yeah, that's the reason why he's got what he's got. The boss, the boss is the loveliest man you'll ever meet. You you can have any kind of conversation with him about anything you want and he'll have that conversation with anybody, with anybody about anything. I'll tell you what, you, you walk up to him and you, you try and disrespect him in yeah. front of people by saying something derogatory about himself, maybe about his family, or about him managing Manchester United. I'm sorry, that whole thing changes about him and you say to yourself, yep, that's why you were successful in what you've done. Because <laughs> you know exactly how to get at somebody he, and he won't be swearing at you. He'll be using words that that person mostly wishes that he was in the library so he could actually get a book out to understand it in the end. So um, you have to be... And he's got to be that way with buy and virtually tell him, show it to him in black and white. This is what's here. I don't think you're ready for this club. I don't think you can play for this club. I don't... Give me a reason why this happens every year. Why? 
And if that player, if he can't be honest to him, then, then, he's, then he's got to go and find another club by it because how, do, how can you want, when you said those figures to me, those games he played, how can you be happy with that? In my final season at United, I weren't happy. I wanted to be playing. I knew I couldn't be playing because of Gary Neville, how well Gary was doing. But he was hurting me. I was sometimes bitter. I was jealous. But how does Baig go and do that and be content to do that year in, year out? Because I'll tell you what, he'll get to a certain point in his life after he stops playing, he'll have so many regrets. And he can go and tell people, all he wants will I play for United. And then given how, how it's getting now and everyone's getting FIFA orientated, someone will go, here you go. Didn't play a lot of football, did you? Mm-hmm. And that's what, oh yeah, but I've got a lot in the bank and I drive a nice car. Oh, great. Let's talk about your cars then rather than your football. Oh, you don't know anything about cars, do you? But yet your career was football. Yeah. Well, you know, here's, here's the thing, Paul, like, to, to back up the point of what you're saying. Um, your statistics, obviously you played 37 games in both your first two seasons. In the yeah. trebles, in double season, sorry, 57 games. And then the injuries, five games a season after that and 10 yeah. games a season after that. And you were... Um, you had proven your quality and, and that was time for you to go um, yeah. and, and you, you've you accepted that and you've talked about the sort of bit you've always talked about the ruthless side of that with Gary Neville and, and it's yeah. like we've lost that because those players like Eric Bayer have been kept on for five years instead of like we've given them one year and, and I'm talking about a player who's done that without even being as good as you do you see what mm. I'm saying? So they've been still been kept on, like Phil Jones, for example. I mean, I could do the same kind of thing with his um, attendant um, um, appearance numbers. It's just, it's just. Um, you're right. I mean, I don't want to be like slagging off Eric Bay when he's playing this well. But the point is, he could break down at any time. And yeah. if, in February, if he does that, and you haven't signed a centre off, then you're thinking, okay, well, we're back to looking at. What are we going to do this season? It could be anything, yeah. and, and, yeah, and we are that now. But we still, you know, it's better than what. It, <laughs> yeah. But uh, sorry, so I think I stopped you there, Wayne. I was just. Uh, but the but the main, you know, the main thing that keeps Bai at the club, keeps Rojo at the club, keeps Phil yeah, Jones at yeah. the club. You know what the main reason is? Is because the club can afford to have him there. Mm. That's the reason why. That's, that is the biggest issue. As much as you can go and get all these big squads, the problem is it comes back and bites you because you go and get them, you put them on big money, and then they don't want to go anywhere else because they know they're not going to get that money. They're not going to get those lovely home comforts. They're not going to get the ego of being involved with Manchester United. Mm. So that's the problem. As much as big it is, it affects you. And you have to be ruthless from the start. You have to be. You have to set a precedence and how it's going to be. And if those players want to be doing what they're doing, then you don't make it easy for them. And I don't know what Rojo's doing. I don't know what Phil Jones is doing. But on, on Phil Jones's part, I just think it's an absolute disgrace that I'm not reading about him, talking in the newspaper, talking on websites, talking on podcasts about how he just wants to go out and play football. Mm. In the current climate, he wants to go out and play. He's willing to take a drop or something just to go out and play. And, you know, and play and he gets his extra money by playing and by winning games of football. In other words, I'm going to go out and I'm going to earn my, I'm going to earn some of my wages via incentives of me playing 90 minutes week in, week out and by helping his team win games of football. 
oh yeah, let's go back to many, many years ago when football was all about that because otherwise you weren't going to play football. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think the thing with Jones is that he's sort of caught in that roulette, you know, like Bai could get injured, then it might be Phil Jones's turn again. Um, and United can't go that way, Wayne. Yeah, they can't, no, they, 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 yeah, yeah, I know, you know they, they can't <laughs> go, but they need to take that away. In theory, I think Oli just needs to grab, get him in a room and say, go and revitalise your career. Become a man. Become humble. Accept it. Ain't, you've had your time. You've had a good time. It hasn't worked. Go out there and see if a change of, a change of venue will, will allow you to go out and play football regularly before the time comes along. And when you do go and play, your body's not going to allow you to do it. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible time at United at the moment because it, it feels like all these things are on the periphery, like you said, that we, we can move forward if only the right decisions are made. And, and let's be fair, Oli has been ruthless with other players, so let's let's see what's, um, mm-hmm. what's going to be around the corner on that. Um, so this week coming up, it's going to be... Manchester City in the League Cup semi-final, the FA Cup against Watford. We already talked about the competitions in the last podcast about um, my feelings on them. <clears throat> Obviously, winning them is going to be great. I'm just not sure if it's a true yardstick of where we are, but because of the random nature of the cups. Um, but it's fair to say that those three or four games that we've seen over Christmas, Ollie's doing a really good job at the moment, and long may that continue. And the um, hiring of Pochettino at PSG might add a little bit of security for him. United as well Uh, we're going to be back next week to talk about those cup games and also preview the games against Burnley and Liverpool because it's basically you know run of four or five games a month that really is going to define United's chances of silverware this season Um, remember TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts Um, if you enjoyed the show give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts always um, appreciate discussion on social media as well so reach out to us to discuss um, what we've talked about on the show that's it take care and we'll be back next week the TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.